Creativity is a renewable resource. It's one of the few things in this world where the more of it you mine, the more that appears. Best of all, it's not reserved for the chosen few. Rather, it's something we all have at our disposal. Today, I want to talk to you all about what creativity is, where it comes from, how we can tap into it to help grow our businesses, and the best way to inspire our teams to do the same. I'm going to share with you a simple four-step process, uh, something you can use to start putting these ideas into practice, and I'll also give you a link where you can go download a free workbook that goes right along with this episode. It's going to be a good one, so stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this, you'll only find three kinds of people in the world, those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. So each week we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. That means doing more covers and driving more revenue. Each week we choose a topic, we pick it apart, we come up with some key insights, and then we finish up with an assignment. I always leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show. Because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, my mother is an artist and my father is an actuary. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that line of work, you're not alone. For years, I, I had no idea what my father did, and in fact, it's still a bit fuzzy. Uh, but the easy definition is this. An actuary analyzes the financial consequences of risk, meaning they use math and statistics and basic financial theory to study uncertain future events, uh, especially as it pertains to insurance policies and pension plans. Sexy stuff, right? Well, for years, my dad swore he didn't have a creative bone in his body, and the real shame is that for a long time, I believed him. I believed him because I was an artist, a true artist, like my mom. I started taking art classes at a very young age. I would draw and paint and do pottery. I learned photography and eventually got into acting. I went to school to study theater and eventually that education led me to directing and producing and ultimately writing, which of course has led directly to the career I have now in marketing. All of them have been creative pursuits. I was and still am an artist at heart. On the surface, that's obvious, right? I make things. Things you can see and touch and hear. You can, you can read my stories. You can see my photos. You can hear my podcast. I am a creative person. But what's not so obvious is that my father is too. You see, there are real problems in the way our culture views creativity and in the way we value creativity. When we talk about creativity or artistry, most of us conjure up some image of a tortured artist sitting alone in front of a canvas or a, or a writer toiling for hours over their manuscript. And while that may be one version, it is not the only version. See, for me, creativity is about solving problems. Or more specifically, it's about solving old problems in interesting new ways. So how many times have we heard the term creative solutions? In fact, 
all solutions are inherently creative because that's the only way we can solve problems. If there was an easy answer, someone would have thought of it already. It wouldn't still be a problem that needed solving. So what's required of us if we do in fact seek to solve problems is to think of some new solutions, new ideas for getting past the obstacle in our way. We can't go around, well, let's go over. Can't go over, why not through? Can't go through? Well, now we need to come up with a new idea because the easy ideas didn't work. Has anyone out there ever seen the documentary Free Solo? It's about a guy named Alex Honnold who's a world-renowned free solo mountain climber, the first person to ever climb El Capitan without a rope. Also referred to as El Cap, it's this awesome vertical rock formation in Yosemite National Park that makes for an incredibly dangerous climb. If you've ever seen the film, you know that the way he did it was to go way out of his way. So he starts up the rock face, which is pitched at like 85 degrees, almost straight up from the ground with just these tiny little footholds for him to grab onto. And there comes a point when you just can't go up anymore. It's too steep with nothing to grab hold of. And in fact, it stumped climbers for decades. The secret though he discovered was to go sideways. In fact, he went like 30 yards out of his way, lengthening his climb by about an hour just to get to a scalable patch of the mountain. From there, he heads back up toward the summit. And in the documentary, you see that beyond his fearlessness, it's his creativity that gets him to the top of the mountain safely. But no one would consider Alex Honnold an artist, right? He, he's not, at least not in the traditional sense. He's a mountain climber. But creativity is crucial to his success, to his survival. And the same is true with my dad. So he's very good at what he does. He works with some of the biggest companies in the world, and he didn't get there by doing what everyone else was doing. And he isn't just better than his competitors. Remember, a few episodes ago, we talked all about the better trap. No, my dad got there, I think, by being different, by being able to look at the same old problems that everyone else was looking at and coming at it a different way. Now, if you're wondering what actuarial science has to do with marketing your restaurant, I will tell you. We're all trying to solve problems, right? And most of us are struggling with the same problems, which is how do we get more diners to eat at our restaurant? But the trouble is we're all sort of solving that problem in the same way. So we do loyalty programs and coupons and giveaways. We send e-blasts promoting holidays and then come up with happy hour specials in the hopes of building downtime business. But what we need in order to solidify our business is true creativity. We need to ask the right questions and then answer those questions, solve those problems using our creativity. And so I want you to start thinking in those terms. And to help you to do that, I've put together a, a workbook. You can click the link in the show notes. It'll take you right there. Or you can visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash creativity. You'll be able to download a workbook to help you brainstorm and implement the ideas I'm going to share with you on this episode. So at the top of the show, I promise the answers to the following four questions. What were they again? Number one, what is creativity? Number two, where does it come from? Number three, how can we effectively and routinely tap into it to grow our businesses? And number four, what's the best way to inspire our teams to do the same? 
So I spend a lot of time thinking about this. In fact, creativity is one of my favorite things to talk about. I've got an entire bookshelf dedicated to the subject. And so I want to talk about it today because creativity is something that humans excel at. So then what is creativity? Well, to me, creativity is about solving age-old problems in interesting new ways. It is about problem solving. And that's true for all of us, right? So a painter looks at the blank canvas and has to find a way to say something new, to solve an age-old problem in a new way. So Picasso looked at the canvas and understood everything that had been done before him. He was challenged to do something new. Now, the same is true with writers and musicians and poets and photographers, right? Miles Davis releases Kind of Blue in 1959, and it changes jazz forever. So what does he do to follow it up? He shifts gears and records an entirely different sort of album, Sketches of Spain, which gets released the following year in 1960. He continues writing and recording until we get to one of his greatest accomplishments, Bitches Brew, which comes out in 1970, and it hardly has anything to do with the work he was creating a decade earlier. That's creativity. In fact, over the course of his career, Miles Davis released 51 studio albums in a career that spanned more than 40 years, and never once did he replicate himself. His new offerings were sometimes maddening departures from his previous work, but they were originals. So then apply that same thinking to our own industry to see how creativity has helped shape the restaurant scene. So this is how Danny Meyer created an entirely new culture at Union Square Hospitality. It's how Thomas Keller built the French Laundry into one of the greatest restaurants in the world. Uh, It's how all these food trucks rose to prominence over the past 10 years. And notice that these weren't just simple creative solutions. They were broad sweeping changes. Right? So Danny Meyer upended restaurant culture when he insisted that everyone be treated with respect in his restaurants. He invested in his employees in a way that no major restaurant group had ever done before. Thomas Keller fundamentally changed the way Americans consumed or at least thought about fine dining. No menu, he told them, no choices, just a lineup of 10 dishes that guests were invited to enjoy in succession. He chose the menu for you. And while that's now become the status quo for many of the world's top restaurants, before the mid-90s, that just didn't really happen. And food trucks, right? Food trucks solved the problem of overhead costs and foot traffic, something that constantly plagues small businesses all over the world. So opening a restaurant on a high-traffic corner is sometimes just way too expensive. Better, perhaps, to become mobile. So rather than wait for the diners to come to us, they thought, why not just go to them? So if there's a concert going on, we'll go there. A ball game just finishing up, let's go there. A street fair, let's go there. Too often I see restaurant owners struggling to turn a mediocre concept into something profitable by trying to do the only things they can think of, the things that they see other people doing. But those solutions are no longer working. The things that stand out, the the things that get attention are the things that break the mold. Right, so Hamilton. Hamilton blew up because no one had ever seen anything like it before. It changed the way we thought about history. It changed the way we we thought about hip-hop music. And it changed the way we thought about what it means to be an American. It has crossed over from being just another Broadway show, and it has become an iconic piece of popular culture. And you may say, okay, well, Lin-Manuel Miranda is an artist. And I would say, of course he is. But there are hundreds of other artists working on Broadway, writers struggling to craft the next big Broadway hit. 
So how come no one thought of Hamilton before he did? I mean, the story of the Founding Fathers has been around for more than 200 years, and hip-hop has been around since like the 1970s, so then why didn't anyone come up with the idea before now? That's creativity, solving interesting problems. And the creative solution, the one no one had imagined before, was Hamilton. Now look around at your world, and you'll see creative solutions everywhere. It's not just reserved for the painter or the writer, right? Creativity gave us the iPhone and open table. Now, it gave us Uber and pop-up restaurants. It's the thing that's helping restaurant owners all over the country find ways to pivot. And it's the thing that's going to help you through this next transition. If this pandemic burned the whole thing to the ground, then creativity, I'm telling you, is the thing that will help you be reborn. Just like the Phoenix, we are going to come out into something better, something different. So then, if it's so important, it begs the question, right? Our second question, where does creativity come from? Because if you're sitting there agreeing with me, you're saying, yes, I like your definition for creativity. You're then perhaps wondering, well, where can I get me some of that? Well, let's get into it. Because this is something writers and philosophers have debated since the dawn of time, right? You'll, you'll hear people talk about the muse or inspiration, like, like it was some stroke of genius. But not only is that unhelpful, I also think it's completely wrong. It's what keeps most people out of the arena because it feels like something foreign, like, like something that isn't part of their own little life. When viewed that way, Creativity just isn't something they recognize, but let me remind you of what we just agreed on, right? Creativity is about solving problems in interesting new ways. That is an important mindset shift that I want all of you to acknowledge and embrace. You don't need to be an artist to be creative. You need to have a desire to solve problems. So then let's agree on this. Ideas don't just come to you out of the blue. Inspiration doesn't just hit us like a bolt of lightning in the middle of the night. Where then does it come from? Creativity comes from consistent, deliberate practice. It is about cultivating a creative mindset. Like I said at the top of the show, it's a renewable resource. It is not something you dig up from the mines, but rather something that gets nurtured and cultivated. The more you work at it, the better you'll become. The more you practice, the more efficient you will be. The more problems you solve, the more solutions you will find. And see, that is the second important shift I want you to make here today. This work isn't incremental, but rather exponential. And we take that mindset shift into the next part as we set about the task of answering our third question. How can we effectively and routinely tap into our creativity to grow our businesses? Well, just like anything else in this world, there is a right way and a wrong way to do this. It's not about sitting around waiting for inspiration. In fact, here's a secret that the very best writers know. Writer's block doesn't affect real writers. Because there are tools you can use, things you can do to write your way out, to get unstuck. So then here are four steps to setting up a routine for yourself. Because routine is at the foundation of how to do this. So for a writer, it's often about setting a schedule. It's not very glamorous, right? But that's the first part of this work. In fact, Liz Gilbert, the best-selling author of the mega-hit Eat, Pray, Love, often talks about the muse, right? But she frames it a bit differently. She says... I don't know when the muse is going to show up, so I just tell the muse, well, I'll be here at my desk writing from 10 to 3. If you want me, you know where to find me. 
So obviously we don't have that kind of time to give to this, right? Not when we're spending so much of our energy just running the day-to-day operations, but you can set aside some time. So maybe that's 10 or 15 minutes every single day or or a one to two hour session once a week. The point is you've got to dedicate time to problem solving. The second step is about setting an agenda, right? So about 10 years ago, I got into the habit of setting a weekly schedule for myself. Every Sunday, I would look at my schedule and I'd block out chunks of time for me to do creative work. And then I would set up a to-do list, a list of four or five or maybe as many as 10 things that I wanted to accomplish throughout the week. And I wrote them down. That was my agenda. And then the following day, when it came time to sit down and do my work, I could just get right to it. I didn't have to waste precious time figuring out what I wanted to work on first. I had already prioritized my list and I knew exactly what I had to do. Now, the third step here is about cutting yourself some slack, right? There's this saying that writers often talk about. There are two parts to the work, two two sides to the artist, the writer and the editor, and they can't both be in the same room together. So figure out what kind of session it's going to be, writing or editing. The first requires an open mind. It needs energy and passion and excitement. It needs an optimistic outlook as if anything were possible. The second, though, needs to be more judicious, a bit more cynical, or at least realistic. Anne Lamott is a brilliant writer. She published a book many years ago called Bird by Bird, and it's a sort of memoir about her creative process. Uh, It's a book I love to return to from time to time, and in it, she talks about something called shitty first drafts. In that essay, she talks about how all writers, writers you know and love, many of whom have made a lot of money doing what they do, all of them are hesitant when they first sit down to write. It is a rare thing when a writer jumps into her chair, enthusiastic about the task ahead of her. They may have an idea or a hope of what they want to do, but hardly an idea about how they will accomplish it. They let themselves off the hook because they know at that early stage of the process, All they have to do is get down a shitty first draft. So then finally, that leads to the last step, which is about holding yourself accountable. So when you sit down to work, you figure out which one of these is in the room, right? The writer or the editor, and then you get to work. If it's creative work, right? If it's the the writer, you let your mind wander. Your agenda should be clear. This is the problem we're looking to solve. And then you let yourself go. You come up with all the potential solutions you can to that problem. And there should be like, 40 or 50 or 60 ideas that you write down. Remember, this is not the time to judge those ideas. TV writers will call this blue skying an idea. So so before anyone writes a word on a TV show, they're just figuring out, well, what if, what, what happens in this episode or what could happen? And the same is true with you and your restaurant. So if the problem is how to boost sales on Monday nights, you're gonna write that down and then let yourself go, coming up with all the potential solutions to that problem. And what I think you'll find is that if you let yourself go by about number 15 or 16, you're gonna start coming up with some really crazy ideas. By number 40, it's gonna be really out there, like how the hell could we even do this kind of thing? Who knows, that's perfect. That's exactly where you should be at this point in the process. Then, later, you'll invite the critic into the room. You'll look at each idea and see what's possible and what isn't. So items will inevitably get discarded, but then other outlandish ideas may lead to other better ideas, better ideas that aren't outlandish, uh, ideas that are, that are actually possible. 
You're going to make these sessions a regular part of your schedule. Whatever works for you. Maybe short mini sessions every day is best. Or or maybe you like to clear a couple of hours once a week. Just one big chunk of time. Whatever it is, is fine. Just make sure it works for you and make sure you stick to it. It is about setting a routine and then holding yourself accountable. So it starts by setting up your agenda on a Sunday night. A list of problems to start solving in the week ahead. And then you keep your routine and you show up fully during those work sessions. As the saying goes, you reap what you sow. If you put in the work, you will see the rewards. So by showing up day after day, week after week, you will set a new path for yourself. It is the only way I know to cultivate a creative spirit. So then let's take a quick second to recap. Our first question, what is creativity? Creativity is solving problems in interesting new ways. The second question, where does creativity come from? It comes from consistent, deliberate practice. It is about cultivating a creative mindset. The third question, how can we effectively and routinely tap into our own creativity to grow our businesses? Well, you follow the four steps I just outlined to set up a routine for yourself. A safe space where you can give yourself permission to be creative, to solve age-old problems in bold new ways. And all of those eventually lead us to the fourth and final question, what is the best way to inspire our teams to do the same? And this is perhaps the most important takeaway because two heads are always better than one. It is inevitable because I can only bring one perspective to the table, one set of views, one set of life experiences. But when we add others to the mix, we get a diverse set of perspectives that makes our work better. If I've done my job on today's episode, I've convinced you of two things. Number one, creativity is not some precious thing reserved for a select group of tortured artists. It is a renewable resource and one that is unique to all humans. And then number two, that creativity isn't some lightning bolt from the sky. It is something you cultivate. You set the stage for it. You allow it into the room, into your business. And when you do that, it will change everything. Finally, then, I want you to understand that it is an exponential force. Two heads are not just better than one. They are much better than one. In art, there's a saying that goes two plus two must always equal five. Otherwise, it's just math and not poetry. And no one does math because they like it. Well, maybe my dad, he genuinely loves math. And and maybe my youngest brother, he was a math major in school and And he sees poetry in the numbers, so I guess it's different for him. But for the rest of us, the idea that 2 plus 2 equals 5 is crucial. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. A great album is hard to explain. Great songwriting, great performances, great engineering. But still, why is Miles Davis' 1959 breakout album Kind of Blue revered as one of the best jazz albums at all time? The answer, I think, is somewhere in between those questions. Again, 2 plus 2 equals 5. And that's what creativity gets you. When you invite others into the process, you're only going to magnify your output. It's a beautiful thing, and it's also somewhat inevitable. So then, how do you inspire your staff to bring creativity into their day-to-day work? Well, I think it begins with you. Just like we spoke about on episodes number 27, 28, and 29, it starts with great leadership, and ends with setting clear expectations for your staff. In between, during the daily grind, it's about how you manage your team. So a great leader has a vision for the future. He understands what the product is, 
who it's for and knows his why, why he does what he does, why he gets out of bed every morning. You need to communicate that clearly and succinctly to your team. And then you also then need to invite them to the party. Tell them what you know and also what you don't. Tell them where you need guidance, how they can help. There is nothing more beautiful than a leader who is comfortable enough to say, I don't know. It shows you're human and it invites others to the table. It is one of the most generous things you can do in your business and also one of the smartest. So John Lennon and Paul McCartney each wrote a handful of number one hits on their own, but together they made history with a record setting 21 number one hits. Your staff can and probably should be part of the process. And if you want them in on this, it actually starts during the interview process. If you just want good managers, people who can put out fires and and make sure the lights get turned off at the end of the night, then fine. But if you want more from them, you need to keep that in mind when you're hiring. Figure out who thinks like a business owner, who has that entrepreneurial spirit, who has ambition, ideas, goals. Find those people and you won't be able to shut them up. I know this is true because this is how I got my start. Back when I was just waiting tables, I liked to talk to the GMs and to the chefs and to the owners. I I wanted to, to know what the owners were thinking. I wanted to put in my two cents and I wanted to help. I have no shortage of ideas and I made that clear. So the key is, how can you cultivate that in your team? It starts when you let them know what you expect of them, what you hope they can bring to the table. This takes a certain kind of humility and openness and trust but all of that you have because it's the generous thing to do. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that's what I'm all about. It is about humility and creativity and passion and perseverance. So the next six months will probably be the hardest you've ever faced as a business owner and you need all the help you can get. So dig deep within yourself for those answers and ask the same of your staff. There is a future on the other side of this that is way better than what we could have ever imagined, but we have to be strong enough to let ourselves figure out a way to get there. So there it is. That's my case for creativity. There is no roadmap forward because no one has ever been there before. This is uncharted waters and we need to find our own way through. Those that bring all of themselves to the challenge will succeed. So that pivot is the first step. Collaboration is the next, and creativity is the key to all of it. Your assignment this week is to get the download and start setting a schedule for yourself, one that you can commit to keeping. Uh, That may be one-hour session this Friday or maybe five 20-minute sessions every morning this week. Whatever it is, write it down and commit yourself to sticking to it. This is deep thinking time, problem-solving time, either alone or with colleagues, but it absolutely has to happen. What problems are you facing? Set aside time to start solving them. Again, you can find the link to the free workbook in the show notes, or you can visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash creativity. Go through the steps I outlined on this episode and see if you can't start solving a problem or two. One quick note about the workbook, you'll see there's a problem page and then five different solution pages. You should be doing a problem page every week, and then you should be using one solution page for each problem you're looking to solve. So you got five problems, you use five pages. You'll see on each solution page then, there are lines for up to 45 potential solutions. That's purposeful. Like I said, the really interesting ones come to you after the most obvious 10 or 15 ideas are already down on the paper. 
So you'll also see that each idea has a little bullet point next to it. This is to be used for the editing phase. So in the writing phase, you're just trying to write down as many different ideas as possible. And then when you go back to edit, meaning when you scan your ideas and start considering how realistic they are, you're gonna fill in the bullet points for the ideas with promise. From there, you can narrow it down to maybe the one or two worth pursuing. Anyway, I know this is something a lot of you out there struggle with, and I'm hoping this whole episode, this whole workbook helps. As always, I appreciate you being here. If you have a minute, go ahead and log a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Uh, again, those reviews really just help us grow the audience, which in the end really helps all of us. If you haven't done so in a while, go check out our website, restaurantstrategypodcast.com. You'll see all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, there's an archive of every single one of our episodes. Uh, you can click the shop page uh, where you can purchase that budget template that we released just a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a bunch of you have already done that, so thank you. I appreciate it. I hope it's helping. Uh, it is a comprehensive six-sheet budget that tracks income, expenses, projections, payroll, and more. Uh, again, we've already had an incredible response. I'm thrilled to see you guys taking advantage of that. Finally, then you can visit the workshop page to learn more about the two workshops we have coming up. All of that and more is available on the website. Again, if you haven't checked it out in a while, go ahead and do that. That link can be found in the show notes along with the links that we talked about all throughout the show. Um, thanks again for tuning in. Stay creative and I will see you next time.